This is another Patreon-only bonus episode, and today we're speaking to Aram again. We're probably going to do a few of these talking to Aram, because he has some of the best kind of niche historical stories from war that you just never really hear of when you're learning stuff, you know. Um, today he's going to be talking about how one Iraqi U-boat invaded Kuwait. Alright man, so uh, tell me about this this Kuwaiti U-boat story, it sounds mad. Yeah, so basically uh, we hop back to uh, 1990, the Iraqi Navy uh, was the, less, the least appreciated branch of Saddam's military um they had some warships that the iraqi navy had ordered uh in the early 80s so that the iraqi navy would be a proper uh fleet that could compete with the larger iranian navy which had been subsidized by the americans for a long time um so iraq wanted to compete with the iranian navy in the persian gulf and so they had ordered some frigate-sized warships from italy um but they were never actually delivered uh, due to sanctions that came in uh, in 1991. Uh, so the Iraqi Navy in 1990 was, was small and underappreciated to the extent that they weren't aware that Iraq was invading Kuwait until about 36 hours before the invasion took place. Um, Saddam called the commandant of the Iraqi Navy up and told him to come to Baghdad on July 31st, 1990. And uh, so he shows up and he was given 20 specific tasks that he was supposed to accomplish during the invasion. And he was given about 36 hours to prepare for the invasion. And um, so the Iraqi military was pretty underprepared for invading Kuwait, the Navy even more so. They didn't have any maps of Kuwait. Uh, They didn't have any plotting charts. They didn't have any information on Kuwait's harbors. they were just kind of given 36 hours to plan an invasion of the neighboring country. And also they had two operational boats. So, so hang on. Like, so Saddam basically just went like, you're going to invade Kuwait tomorrow. Yeah. He was like, you're invading tomorrow. Take both of your boats and go invade <laughs> Kuwait. Good luck. Uh, uh-huh. Here's the 20 things I want you to do. And so uh, they planned it and the pl- preparation was ready by August 1st. Um, and so the plan called for the Iraqi Navy to be split into two task forces. Task Force One was both of their patrol, their missile boats, which were uh, OSA-class missile boats They from the Soviet Union. They're about 171 tons, 127 feet long. Uh, they've got a crew of 28 with four officers. Um, and each ship, or one of the boats, was carrying 160 naval infantry as well. So um, that's Task Force One. Task Force Two is the rest of the Iraqi naval infantry, and they don't have any boats. Their plan is to use whatever boats Task Force One captures from the Kuwaitis. Um, So that's the Iraqi Navy's battle plan for invading Kuwait. So they set off on August 1st at about 23.30 hours local time. The first missile boat leaves uh, its port in southern Iraq and immediately runs into difficulty because they had also never really navigated at night so, and I guess that's hard to do. I'm not a sailor, but I can imagine it's probably not the easiest thing to do to navigate on an open body of water at night. Yeah, it's hard enough to like walk home at night. Do you know what I mean? Like it's everything's different. Right, exactly. And so, and you're trying to be quiet too. So you got to have your radar off and stuff. Um, but, and so it forced, it delayed the entire operation, the lack of preparation for um, nighttime operations. It delayed their operation by about three hours. Um, so the Navy was now going to arrive in 
Kuwait's harbors three hours after the land invasion of the country had begun. So the element of surprise is now lost. Um, and then one of the missile boats breaks down at about 4.30 in the morning on August 2nd. Uh, its engine failed, but luckily for the Iraqi crew, there were some Russian naval specialists aboard who were able to get the ship more or less working again. However, the other ships, ship is a loose term here, they're boats. The other boat's uh, radar broke down shortly thereafter, leaving it unable to navigate at all. So they were forced to rely uh, on the first boat's ra uh, radar, and they had to navigate by radio. So now one of the boats is blind, one of the boats is damaged, but they continue on. What kind of boats? Like, you say boats. When I think of a boat, I think of, you know, the sort of thing you would use with two paddles, you know. What kind of boats were they? What does that look like? Do you know what I mean? What kind of... They don't look like a, they don't look like a warship that you would confront on the open ocean, right? They're more for, like, uh, coastal areas and... Uh, I mean, the Persian Gulf is, is an area they could be used, but... But really, like when you get into the deeper water, you want a larger boat, right? These things would not last in a in a large storm on the ocean. And they're sending them to invade a country. I mean, normally they would support an invasion fleet or they would screen an invasion fleet, but they wouldn't be the invasion fleet. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's completely ridiculous. Um, and so they continue on, though, at about 6 a.m., uh, they, they come, in, come into Kuwaiti waters. Uh, and they come under fire from Kuwaiti patrol boats. Um, and so they try to return fire. Um, but remember, one of the ships doesn't have a, one of these boats doesn't have a working radar, so it can't track enemy targets. The other one that has a working radar, uh, its missiles broke, so it couldn't fire its missiles. So now neither of the Iraqi vessels can fire their missiles at the Kuwaiti Navy. So they proceed to zigzag to avoid Kuwaiti fire, um, which was. Largely successful for the most part, but um, one of the vessels sustained a direct hit in the command cabin, uh, which injured some of the crew, and then it zigged too hard when it should have zagged, and it crashed into some rocks and smashed its propellers. Um, so it was knocked out of action, uh, and the first boat continued on with 45 naval infantry aboard at this point. So they're down to one boat? They're down to one boat. Wow. One missile boat. Which, to you and I, is ridiculous. You can't invade a country with one missile boat. To the Kuwaitis, it was also ridiculous. There's no way this is just, this is it. There's got to be a huge navy coming behind them. Run. And so they, they got out of the way. They, 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 they were scared of this Iraqi force because they thought, if they're acting this way, there's got to be a giant naval force behind them. And these guys are just the vanguard of that force. And uh, that was not the case, obviously. Um, so the Iraqi boat managed to enter the Kuwaiti harbor and land its infantry. The infantry fanned out and captured the base. And at about 7.45 in the morning, they captured the Kuwaiti commander. Um, and they brought him to the Iraqi commander. They knew each other from military exercises the countries had conducted together. Uh, and it was so shocking that the Kuwaiti commander asked the Iraqi commander, is this some kind of a stupid exercise like you guys, you just, you just come went on. So far, like right, and so the Iraqi commander, realizing that it would totally make his life easier, said, "Yeah, no, it's just an exercise. You're supposed to go get on this barge as a prisoner for this part of the exercise." And so they put him on the barge, and he eventually found out that it was not an exercise. Um, but by that point, the Iraqi Navy had captured uh, the Kuwaiti harbor and thus the entire Kuwaiti Navy. 
at the loss of one Iraqi dead with several wounded, they captured 271 Kuwaiti sailors, including the commander and 43 officers. They acquired three large missile boats, three small missile boats, three supply ships, and eight smaller ships. And they held the base until about uh, 7 a.m. on August 3rd when they came under fire from forces outside the base. Um, they fought for several hours against this force after or outside the base. Eventually, they saw the red triangle of the Iraqi Republican Guard was outside the base. They raised the Iraqi flag, and the people attacking the base promptly realized that they were attacking their own, and uh, the battle was over. Uh, so at about uh, uh, so at, at that point, the Iraqi Navy uh, launched this task force two, which was the the naval infantry who were still back on shore at home. They came to Kuwait. They got in the new boats, and they were able to capture a couple of Kuwait's outer outlying islands and military military installation islands and uh, radio station islands and things like that. And by about 1,900 hours on August 3rd, all of the islands and the Kuwaiti Navy were secured and subdued by the Iraqi Navy. So despite having 36 hours to prepare and two boats, neither of which could fire their weapons, the Iraqi Navy was astoundingly successful in their goals. So... So one missile U-boat thing basically took the shores of Kuwait. Yes, that's like the the you know the the little U-boat that could. You know what I mean? It's a right, mad exactly. story. It's 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 ridiculous. And then when the U.S. Navy responded, you know, in during the Gulf War in 1991, um, they brought in you know four aircraft carriers and a World War II battleship and all the naval power in the world against. You know, Iraq's navy, which was not large, even after it had inflated and taken the Kuwaiti navy. Um, and so Iraq's navy at that point became more of an irregular warfare force. And that's when they when the U.S. forces started landing in in uh, in, in Iraq and in Kuwait, they started uh, blowing the oil wells around in southern or in parts of Kuwait, they started blowing the oil fields, and they also started pumping oil, or attempting to pump oil directly into the Persian Gulf from the ships that were parked in Kuwait. But uh, U.S. forces were able to stop that from happening. Um, but yeah, they went from this proud force that captured their entire enemy with one boat to being asked to pump oil into the Gulf, and uh, that can't have been a, a fun promotion. Um <laughs> Of course, after the war, the Iraqi Navy was completely destroyed during the war. I mean, the U.S. didn't leave anything to chance and destroyed mm. most of the boats. They became essentially palace guards uh, on the river, uh, guarding Saddam's palaces from anybody who would have a boat that could come attack them. But the Iraqi Navy was essentially a shadow of its former self by that point and never really recovered. So, so what I'm thinking, though, what was the response from Kuwait? Like, not, not the response, but what kind of boats did they have? Because it sounds hilarious and like a crazy story, but I don't know, would maybe Kuwait's, you know, defenses were appalling or, or what? Like, Right, I mean, they weren't ready for war. They didn't, right. they didn't really see it coming, you know? And so, I mean, they had a larger Navy, definitely. They had, uh, Iraq had two small missile boats that were operational kuwait had three small missile boats that they lost to the iraqis and then three large missile boats so i mean they had you know several times the firepower of the iraqi navy it's just they weren't ready for battle and it's questionable what quality the kuwaiti navy would have been at that point too um the undoubted undoubtedly supreme navy in the region at the time at least was the iranian navy uh, which had been largely trained by the Americans under the Shah, but was neglected by the Ayatollahs, and so it was largely left intact. And so that was Iraq's main enemy 
uh, Navy-wise for the longest time was was the much larger and better trained Iranian Navy. Um, so the Kuwaiti Navy probably could have held their own against, you know, another regional Navy, but the Iraqi Navy had been training for a while against the Iranian Navy for eight years of war. And so um, as small as those battles were, the Iraqi Navy was somewhat efficient, apparently. But why only two boats? Like, why hadn't he invested a lot more in the Navy? Well, he, had. he had, and then uh, the Italians never delivered the rest of it because of the invasion of Kuwait under sanctions. <laughs> oh, uh, right, okay. So the rest of the boat... It's, I mean, it's kind of what happened with the Russians. They had bought some amphibious assault ships from the French back in the 2010s, and then they invaded Crimea, and the French took the boats away, and now the Russians don't have any amphibious assault ships. You know, it's... Do they keep the money? Yeah, it, it's classic, you know? <laughs> That's great. Well, not great. <laughs> not for anyone, but you know what I mean? That's a fucking mad one. It's funny. I mean, and the, yeah, they sold, uh, the, the French sold one of them or two of the ships to the Egyptians, I think. All right, man. So the little U-boat that could, that is brilliant, man. That's another yeah. fucking great story, man. Um, Aram, tell us, where can people follow you, get hold of you, hear more madness? You should really do like a fucking book, man, or something like the weird we just just need to do more of this i think like these weird historical events that you know you don't really hear about because of the broader context of war like it's nuts we definitely should do something like that um i'm uh on i write for the foldagap.com um i haven't written there in a couple of weeks but i need to get back on that um i'm also available on twitter at rm shabanian that's at a r a m s h a b a n i a n all right man uh, yeah Thanks, Aaron. Always a pleasure, mate. Yeah, man. I will talk to you later.